let's just stay there a minute longer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill this place. Blow through the caverns of our souls. Fill us up. Fill us to overflowing, Lord, with your presence, your commanding presence, with your love and compassion, with your peace in whatever situation we find ourselves in today. with your power, Lord, to overcome this world. Your power to give us the boldness to speak your word. The power to be able to go wherever it is you call us to go and do whatever it is you call us to do. Come, Holy Spirit. Let me, let me start with the T-shirt. Um, I probably have had more people. I've been wearing this during the whole mission. Not, I mean, I washed it a time or two. But I've had it on during the entire missions emphasis month that we've had. And uh, a couple of people would ask. But today I, I must have had 20, 25 people that wanted to know about the T-shirt. Maybe it's because we have so many other people with the same T-shirt on today. The T-shirt, if you read Arabic, which I don't, uh, has the letter N on it, N, and N stands for Nasara, Nasara. It's, you can see, it's a symbol that's spray painted, you know, with a with a can of spray paint. It's a symbol, symbol that's spray-painted onto the house of all, houses of all the Christians in Syria and Iraq. So ISIS knows who to persecute, who to round up, who to kill. Nasara. Nasara. And it's become a... Well, a red badge of courage, if you will, for the Christians in that part of the world. They're proud to be called Nasara, Nazarenes, followers of Jesus of Nazareth. I have one more of these shirts in a small. I ordered for our staff, and our staff's been eating a lot, so we didn't have... uh, we didn't have anybody to take this small shirt, so if somebody would like a small, I'm going to put it right here on the table, and it's yours. You can order these shirts from Voice of the Martyrs, too. Uh, most of the... There you go. Don't be ashamed. Don't be a bashful. Just do it. 
uh, uh, you can order these, and most of the proceeds go to benefiting those Christians in Syria. Uh, a good cause, I believe. Well, we're not quite finished with the emphasis on missions yet. Next week, we're going to talk about where it is that we might go and what we might do. But today, I do want to kind of bring us to a bit of a, a close with this international part. Today, November the 2nd, 2014, is, has been declared the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church around the world. And as we celebrated last year, we have an opportunity to pray for that church in a very real and palpable way here in our part of the world to impact Christians wherever they might be around the world. We've looked at a couple of uh, pivotal scriptures during this time that we've been looking at uh, missions. And the first one we would find in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. Jesus has spent his entire ministry doing two things, as I told you before. Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God, healing the sick. Proclaiming, demonstrating. Proclaiming, demonstrating. There's so many stories about his teaching and his healing. And then he told his disciples, hey guys, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to go to do, do exactly what I've been doing. And he sent them out, 12 of them. And what did they do? They proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and they healed all the sick wherever they might find them. And then he sent out 72 more. It says in Luke uh, chapter 10, I believe. Sent out 72 more. And what were their instructions? Proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Proclaim and demonstrate. Proclaim and demonstrate. Well, and then the events happened on Good Friday where he was crucified. He died. He was buried. Three days later, he was resurrected. And he called his friends together up in Galilee, and that's where we find this passage in uh, Matthew 28, beginning at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth. I have no idea how much authority that is. But I know it's a bunch. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples 
make disciples of all nations. And I think the first week I told you that's, that's a sorry translation. NIV doesn't do a good job here. All ethnic groups. All peoples around the world. Within any country, regardless of their geographical bounds, there are ethnic groups that make up that country. And he's talking about going to each one of those individual ethnic groups. Usually they speak a different language, a different dialect. What he wanted to make sure that in every dialect around the world, somebody was there to proclaim and to demonstrate. Because he says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Well, what did he command them to do? Proclaim and demonstrate. And the them in the other nations, well, that's us sitting right here today. That's you and me. That's us. He's commanded us to do the same thing. Go out wherever we are and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Demonstrate God's power. Demonstrate His power. And then He says, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So He's saying, Hey guys, you don't have to do this on your own. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to be right there with you, right beside you, every step of the way. You have nothing to fear. Remember, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm giving you. I'm passing that authority right along to you. And, of course, we know he also gave them the Holy Spirit for the power part. They have authority and they have power beyond any bounds that we can think of. Matthew 24, 14 is a verse that uh, Andy Bell talked to us about the first week. Andy, the field worker from Indonesia. Remember when Andy came? 24, 14 in Matthew. And this gospel of the kingdom... Remember, the, proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world in every ethnic group as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We're all worried about what the end time is going to look like. Oh, my goodness, we want to read Revelation and make sure that we understand every little minute detail in the book of Revelation. This is what Jesus said. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, then the end will come. Have we reached every ethnic group in the world? I don't think so. I don't think so. We would have some that would say, oh, yeah, yeah, we've reached the world with the gospel of Jesus. Nah, we haven't. There's not a, 
viable church functioning in every ethnic group throughout the world. But then Jesus gave some other instructions in uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, we don't know. We can't figure out when this end time is coming. Jesus didn't know. We don't know. How could we possibly think that we do? Verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wow. You. You. He's talking to you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem. That would be here in Little River, Longs, among people that are just like us, talk like us, act like us, live in places like us, dress like us, have the same customs that we do. They're us. And in all Judea, well, that would be like the, the Grand Strand area, a larger geographical area, but they're still like us. I mean, yeah, the people on the other side of the waterway are, are a little weird, we understand, but they're still like us, aren't they? Even from Wilmington down to Charleston, the people are like us, like us. 78% of them don't attend church. And Samaria, ah, Samaria, that's the people that aren't like us, that are different than we are. Maybe they are from different countries and they're here. Maybe they're in different parts of North America or the Western Hemisphere or other parts of the world even. They're, they're not like us. They're different than us. We're supposed to go to them too? Yes. And to the ends of the earth, he says. Well, that one's easy. That means we go to. That's why Andy and Tina Bell are going back to Indonesia in a month. That's why... I have been, Scott has been, others have been to Nepal on the other side of the world. Why would we go to some place like that? That's why this group of folks over here goes to Haiti 20, 30 times. That's why we go out into the world. We're not excluded from reaching the people in other parts of the world. We're commanded to do it, as a matter of fact. I've got a map there in your, in your handout, and I've got to tell you, that I just about lost my religion doing that. Um, I couldn't get it to, to be um, proportional, 
But if you, if you look at the first picture here, you have a map of the world, obviously. There's a map of the world, and we're, hopefully you know enough geography to know that we're over here on this side, and, and uh, Africa's in the middle, and Asia's on the other side. That's, that's briefly all you know from that map. The next, the next picture shows you where the equator is. You know, the equator that divides north from south, that's where the equator runs. Right there through South America, Ecuador, Equator, uh, through Africa and Indonesia, that area, just south of Singapore. People in the missions business, people who missions is their entire life, realized some time ago that there's a portion of the world that is very important for missions, extremely important for missions. And if you go to the next slide here, you'll see 10 degrees south of the equator includes a lot, a big swath of South America and Africa. And then we go 40 degrees north of the equator and that's where most of the people in the world live, in that 1040 window. The 1040 window, it's called in missions. Majority of the unreached people groups in the world are in that 1040 window. And that's what this map tries to depict. I didn't include America or the, even, even the Western Hemisphere on here, I tried to focus in on really the part of the world where the most of the unreached people are. Africa, Asia, the Pacific, South Pacific. And you can see there the countries. They're the same countries that you hear on the, on the TV on your radio, read about in the newspaper. Those are the same countries where turmoil is taking place day after day after day. Most of those people within in that 1040 window, most of them have not heard about Christ. Can you believe that? 21st century and they haven't heard about Jesus. I just read an article uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, about an imam in Iran who was driving his car, had a bright, blinding light appear in front of him, and he ran over into a guardrail, almost ran off the side of a mountain. And he got out, I don't know what that is. He got out, he got out, and it was Jesus. Jesus appeared to this imam on a highway in Iran, a mountainous highway. No one else around there had been a lot of traffic, but all of a sudden, the traffic stopped. It was just him and Jesus. An imam a Muslim teacher. And he had a conversation, if you will, with Jesus. 
And Jesus told him that Jesus was the only way to paradise. That his teaching had been wrong, had been false. And right there, he fell at the feet of Jesus on that highway and gave his life to him. And this is about how his, his life had, had sort of changed with his family. It just so happened that Jesus appeared to his wife in their apartment at the same time. <laughs> exactly the same time. So he was trying to figure out how he was going to tell his wife what had happened. And his wife was trying to figure out how she was going to tell her husband, the imam, what had happened. And when they got together, they didn't have to say a word because they saw it on each other's faces. They just said, he's here. He's been here. Those things are happening within the 1040 window today. The 1040 window. And within that uh, um, area, there's, there's three types of countries. Uh, free countries, well, actually four. Free countries where people can easily share the gospel. But there are three other types that we're looking at today where people are persecuted. The, by and large, the majority of the, of the countries on that map are persecuted countries. There's those that are monitored. They're called monitored countries. And their areas closely monitored because of a trend toward... Uh, uh, persecution. They're not persecuting people right now, but the trend is moving that way. So mission groups throughout the world are looking at them more particularly. They're monitored. There's a restricted group of nations, countries where government-sanctioned circumstances or anti-Christian laws lead to Christians being harassed or imprisoned or killed, or deprived of possessions or liberties. Also, the government policies within those restricted countries prevent Christians from obtaining any Bibles. It's against the law to get a Bible. It's against the law to have any Christian literature, you know, a prayer book or a commentary or or anything that, that might be considered Christian literature. And then the third group would be the hostile nations, of which there are many nations or large areas of nations where governments consistently attempt to... Well, the governments want to provide protection. Their constitutions might say you are protected as a religious group. But Christians are regularly persecuted anyway by their family, by their friends, by uh, uh, political groups within the country. And they're hostile to Christians. You'll see as we look at this a little further that in many countries you might have a majority of Christians, 75% Christians, and there's a small minority of Muslims, but the Muslims have all the vocal power, have all the political power, so they are able to persecute the Christians. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Andy Bell told us that 
Satan wins if we, if we hate Muslims. We should not hate Muslims. We should bless Muslims. It's out of that blessing that we show our Christian love, our Christian faith, and changes can truly take place. Second Timothy 3.12 says this, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we're not exempt. None of those countries in the 1040 window are exempt from being persecuted. Jesus says you will be persecuted if you belong to me. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? No, in all these things, even persecution, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Take a look at this short video. The guerrillas told us that they would not hurt anybody. That there wasn't anything to worry about. But we know that we're lying. or what they would do to us. We drove for like 20 minutes and then they made everyone get out.
They made us kneel down in rows. I was in the front. Many were crying or begging, but God gave me courage. I tried to stop my friend from pleading with the guerrillas. I told him that only God has control of his life. He should be speaking with God, but he just kept pleading for his life. Tu felicidad es grande, tu felicidad incomparable. At that moment, I believed I was going to die. My country has suffered from much violence. My father was killed by the guerrillas when I was only 16. And now, I would join him in heaven. I was ready to die, even if by the hands of terrorists. But then I had one regret. I had not told him about Jesus. It is interesting what one thinks about in the last moments of their life. I heard them yell to make sure everyone was dead. I had been shot in the leg and in the face. And it was surprised to still be alive. And still, I wanted to tell them about Jesus. The guerrillas killed everyone. So it happens in our own hemisphere. But the story is the same. It doesn't matter which country we find Christians in. When we ask how we can help them, what the Christians say is, pray for us. Pray for us.
you would think they'd want money or a, uh, a church built or no pray for us pray for us pray for boldness for us how can we help them we can pray for Christians around the world Christians who are imprisoned for their faith we can pray that God would strengthen and protect and encourage them Every time I've been in one of these countries and asked if I could pray for them, they've asked me not to pray for protection. They've asked me to pray for boldness. They want to be bolder in their Christian faith. They're not worried about the protection. They just want to honor God in what they do. Pray for God's protection over pastors and evangelists who go about spreading the gospel message in restricted and in hostile nations throughout the world. That's what you can do. Pray for God's provision and encouragement for the families of Christians who've been killed for their faith. Pray for their families, that God will provide for them. Pray that government officials in hostile lands and even in those restricted nations will come to know Jesus Christ personally, just like that imam I told you the story of, and that they will follow his will for their lives and for their countries. Pray for the new believers in Muslim countries who are deciding when and how they should tell their families and their friends that they are now followers of Jesus, Asu. Pray for radio and television and Internet ministries sending God's Word all over, all over the world because it can get through closed borders where people, where packages can't go. Pray for the Holy Spirit to bring much fruit from that ministry. Pray for the provision and safe delivery of Bibles to countries, to, to believers in those countries that are hostile. We do get Bibles in, but we have to be very careful how we do it. Pray God will enable persecuted Christians to witness for Him, even witness to their persecutors like Alex was able to do in this video. And finally, pray that Christians in free nations, that's us, would understand what's meant by the fellowship of suffering. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Pray that we would understand that in a very real way 
and choose to stand with and support our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. And yes, today we are looking at this map up here of all these different nations around the world, but our focus particularly today, I want it to be on Christians in the country of Syria. Nasara, the Nasara. I want us to think about them. Listen to Leanna's story, a Christian in Syria. We were praying for revival, believing God would do a big work in Syria. Then the war came. Now the terrorists are attacking Christian homes, churches, and even our children. Their goal is to empty Syria of its Christians. We hate the spirit of Islam that is destroying our country. But we love our Muslim neighbors. They come to us and say, in the name of our God, terrorists rape and kill. Where is God? We tell them about Jesus, and many are coming to know him. Still others say, we are like living in hell. One day, while I was praying, I asked God what he would have me do to be his witness, but he only asked me, will you give me your life? As I prayed, I understood he wanted all of me, and I said yes. If the time came, I was willing to die for Jesus. The next day, while I was praying, I asked God again what he would have me do. This time, he asked me, Are you willing to give me your husband's life? It is not easy to be ready to die. My husband and I prayed about this together. We said yes to God. The third day was the most difficult. On this day, God asked me if I was willing to give up my children's lives. The terrorists know who we are and that we share Jesus with Muslims. It is not safe for our family. My husband and I prayed and fasted, and together we agreed. God gave us our precious children. He has the freedom to take them back. When we agreed to put our children on the altar, I knew I had to tell them the truth. I told them that it was possible that men with swords may come through our door, men who didn't know Jesus. They may say bad things to us and try to force us to convert to Islam. But no matter what they say, we should not answer them. 
We should only tell them that Jesus loves them and that we forgive them. I told them that we might see some blood and have some pain, but it would only be for a little while. That we should just close our eyes and when we open them we will be with Jesus am I a good mother to have to tell my children such things I also told them that as long as God wants us to be safe we will be safe that he is in control even during the bloodshed, during the killing, he is carrying our future. This is what it means to be a Christian in Syria. I'm going to ask if you will, if you would like to, we have a map here of the world, and we have some countries that are in uh, orange and a red and a green. Um, those are the persecuted countries that we know of in the world. I'm going to ask that you come around the table, if you would be so kind, and lay a hand if you can reach on one of these countries. We'll take some time to pray for those. You can, if you can't get up here, if there's too many people, you don't, you don't feel like coming up here. There are in your packets in front of your, in your chairs in front of you, are some lists here of countries by region: Africa, Asia, uh, Western Hemisphere, uh, Pacific. Uh, you can pray for these in your seat. But if some, would, some of you would like to actually come, we'd love to have you up here. Come and pray for the persecuted church around the world. Just pray as you feel led. <laughs> 